as we continue this mini-series, Recapturing the Vision, the last week we talked about why. Why choose the way of the cross? And our slogan, choosing the way of the cross is our way. And that kind of provided foundational um, reason for why we do what we do. And today will be what? What the vision is. What Christ's given vision to Crossway Church is. And next Sunday, it will be about how. The practical means, the seven core practices that we are applying to live out the vision. Let's start with this story. 1900s, early 1900s, London Times. There was a special column to the intellectuals and the experts of the society back then. And then it was simply called, What's Wrong with the World? And the many sociologists, politicians, experts, you know, authors, has written, and G.K. Chesterton, as one of the authors, Christian authors, was invited to write his response, and which later became a very famous letter. And G.K. Chesterton was known for witty, yet profound words. And he wrote, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. This is a refreshingly truthful answer because in this world that there's so many people who are trying to change the world starting with politicians. And if we are not trying to uh, change the world, we blame others or excuse ourselves for the things that are going wrong. What's wrong with the world? It's the politician. It's, it's the government. It's my parents. It's my school. It's my church. All around. But G.K. Chesterton understood the essence of the gospel, the way of the cross. So if you want to change the world, start with yourself. That's simple message of that letter. Turning to the church, is it any better? The question is, are the local churches changing the world? Or is the world changing the local churches? It's a sad thing about it. You don't have to be an expert or theologian or sociologist to detect what's going on. The lure of the world's man-centered way has been very subtle but deadly. Apostle Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, he writes what's going to happen by, by the Spirit, inspiration, which was written 2,000 years ago, but it sounds like almost he wrote it yesterday about our society. 
But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than, rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness for the religious people, but denying its power. Doesn't it describe our culture? Doesn't it describe even our local churches in these days? What's the answer? And I believe, not the politicians, not the government, not the education, but the local churches. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ is the hope and the answer for the world. The gospel is still the answer. Good news to all. So in this series, we're trying to restore God-given vision and power as a local church. How? And as we meditate on the passages last week from 1 Corinthians 1, the true answer is the way of the cross, not the way of the world. So when we try to have a vision Instead of our grandiosity, grandiosity idea of how to change the world, we need to align ourselves Christ's vision. Because his church, this is his church. Unlike Americans' habitual thing, including, you know, all of us, tend to call so-and-so's church because the big name preacher is identified as a church. So and so church here, so and church is over that city. But it is actually Christ's church. So in one word, if you ask me, what is one word focus of Crossway's vision? What is a one word vision? I would I would, without hesitation, I would say, God-centeredness. It, that's a loaded word, but God-centeredness in a practical way, when we begin to think like that, because you could define God and manufacture God and then put it into ideas that our own manufactured God would have and that God-centeredness. In our definition, practical terms for the God-centeredness means scripture-centeredness. God has revealed his will in his written word. It is supreme and superseding authority over all other authorities, including human experts' opinions, 
trending thoughts, any author's opinions, any preacher's opinions, God's revealed the written word that we have received. Greatest gift for us. So if Christ-centeredness is Scripture-centeredness, what's Christ's vision in Scripture? There are two aspects of it. If we are not careful, we're going to lean toward one or the other. So let's think about both and rather than either or. As we listen, we have done that imbalanced way of doing church life, one way or the other. So think of both ends. Here's the first vision of, first side of vision of Christ. Christ's vision for the church is to be sanctified people of God as a bride of Christ. Sanctified people of God is basically mean set aside to be different from the rest of the world. Sanctify obviously means holy, but not holy in a, in a sense that holier than thou, holy that in a sense that we're better than others, but set aside, committed to be different, to follow the way of Jesus, way of God, rather than way of human man-centered way. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27 is often known as the passage about marriage, human marriage between man and woman. But did you know that the human marriage was based upon lasting eternal marriage, the union with Christ? So because of that, we get the glimpse of the purpose of the church in this passage, verse 25, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without Blemish. Church, the church is the bride of Christ. Then what does that mean? Then when we are outside of Christ, we didn't belong to Christ. But when we receive Christ and we are when we become regenerated, a new person in Christ. We become one with Christ. But when we die physically, or if Jesus comes back before we die physically, when we see Jesus face to face, there will be a marriage supper. The supper of the Lamb, union, will happen. And celebrating that Christ and, and the church, the bride, becomes one. And then what he has inherited from the Father becomes our inheritance 
Hence, we are the co-heirs with Christ. It's not just to this passage, but throughout the scripture, for example, Revelation 19, 7 to 8, we could have a glimpse of this, a full picture of salvation. Verse 7, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. If we turn to Revelation 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, John the Apostle, the, the, the author of the Gospel of John, seeing the, this vision, incredible vision, after this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. The Lamb referring to Jesus Christ our Lord. So if Christ's vision is sanctification of the church, in other, in other words, the inward transformation of each one of us to become like his son, to become more like Christ in our character, which God has intended in his creation, but because of the fall, we have drifted away. This point is such an important point because in this pragmatic world, we want to do just one quick step, two days or two weeks or two months of transformation of ourselves and clean up ourselves. And we begin to want to somehow change the world. And no wonder church fails. The beginning point of true spiritual life is poverty in spirit. And church posture has to be that. We need to glory ourselves in our weaknesses and our brokenness, our broken, contrite heart. And then only then we will see the God's power and God's mercy in this paradoxical way. Way of the cross will happen. The other side of Christ's vision, as you probably already anticipate, is to change the world. But the only way to transform the world is when we ourselves are being transformed. 
the simple spiritual axiom is neglected in our days. We need to recapture this vision. I'm like many of you. I grew up in church. If I count how many, how many sermons I received, heard over the years, and the back in the days, and, and when I was growing up in Korea, there was not only Sunday morning service, but Sunday night ser- evening service, Wednesday night service. There are several good preachers. Sometimes I, I still remember the times that I, when I was blown away by these preachers who were so powerful because you know one preacher who was preaching on John chapter three, he practically memorized the whole passage. And it was powerful. Let me ask you this. If you think about, just spontaneously right now, who impacted your life? It's not because of his or her words. It's not someone's um, skill sets or talents. Usually, and most, most likely, the person who lived out the gospel in front of us. In other words, the person who had inner transformation. How is this person able to be this loving in this kind of situation? How is this person this humble in this way consistently? How is this person trust God in the midst of hard, difficult things? And this is the day and age. Flaky Christianity and shallow spirituality happens all the time, isn't it? And if you ask me, and you heard so many times, it was my grandma. who lived out the gospel in front of me. When I was little, I saw her just enjoying, devouring the word of God daily. Such a joy was there. And not only that, she would go out to the the street market and help out these widows with a bag of rice. Back in the days, some of the people are that hungry and that poor. And then one lady who used to have whole thing on his on her on her head, that was her store basically. Whatever the you know bean sprouts or whatever she put it down, she's gonna make her living by by that today, you know throughout the course of the day. She became a Christian because of my my grandma. She didn't know how to read. She was completely illiterate. So my grandma would read the Bible to her. And her life was changed because of her transformation. 
And I still remember when I was a very little young kid, seeing that grandma, that street market grandma, holding my grandma's bag as if it's her assistant. She called her older sister, and they go to church together. We need to capture the vision that Christ has given us. The sanctification is not optional. It's not something religious kind of jargon that we throw it away. But we are to pursue our own real transformation. And Christ calls it saltiness. If the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's thrown in the street and it's trampled by the people. Are we Christian by name or by our saltiness? The radical differences. There's something in, in, in our heart surpasses the circumstances And then joy and peace are not worldly. There is a second aspect of Christ's vision for the church. It is to be Christ's sent people as the change agents in the world. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came... And said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has given to me, has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If the first side of Christ's vision is inward transformation, the second part is our outward transformation. To live as a missional people, this is the great commission that God, Christ has given to us that as little Christ, Christ followers, to would continue his work The Great Commission has been given to, not just to missionaries, but to each one of us, and to the church. And I think this is about the time that I need to clarify the being missional. What does it mean to be missional? To live as Christ-sent people. Of course, our primary first Step is always about evangelism, sharing the gospel, and so that we could disciple them to grow, and so that they can spread the gospel and disciple others as well. But missional people is also when Christ, throughout the gospel, is very clear. If you have done to uh, the way that you have done to these people. You have done to me. 
the poor, the, the prison, imprisoned, the, the sick, the marginalized, the, not only the lost, spiritually lost people, but the least and last people of our society. Christ given us this kind of vision, and the saltiness is not just about rhetoric, but our saltiness of living. So that crossway, we are to go to Thailand, to China, to Yucatan, Mexico, to our backyard in Santa Ana. And to our workplaces. And to Orange County people who seem to have all things together. But without Christ, all those things are illusion, isn't it? So in our attempt to be Christ, send people to change the world, to transform the world, let's be careful as we thought of thought about last week that we don't do this right thing by American pragmatic way but by Jesus paradoxical way to, to be clear our vision is not to become small church remain as a small church and there's nothing wrong with large church, even mega church. But in, do, in so doing, do we continually choose the way of cross? And then God blesses and we multiply. Bless the Lord, the name of the Lord. But it's like a frog in a kettle slowly being heated up. Because we, we sense that, even as our journey ahead. You know the problem of our church, right? Practical problem of finding facility. Our church is not big enough to purchase a building. We, we probably need 1.5 to $2 million to begin with to purchase any buildings around here for our, for our size and even growth level. We don't have that. So we're kind of in between. Their, their place is too small. Their place is, like, we're waiting. Over one whole year, we've been waiting. And God's sovereign purpose is to, to train us to go into this wilderness journey. We're hoping that it will be one year. So they, that's why we call it a short-term site. The long-term site is it will be not only on Sunday, but 24-7. And as we're going into this short-term traditional site, on Sunday, we will be meeting at Yoba Middle School. The youth will be still deciding between two options that they have. Einstein is looking for the right setting, but it, it's separate from that. And our church office and ministry center will be in somewhere else. 
So temptation is real. Yes, money speaks. How do we grow the church? We need to have more members. More members means more giving. More giving means more church income. It, it, it's a slippery slope. And our commitment is to impact the world and to change the world, not in a typical default mode of American way of thinking, which is we become great and we have right tools and effective people and change the world that way. God uses weak people and by the foolish people to shame the rich and the wealthy and the powerful of the world. In the end, what happens? God gets the glory and God alone gets the glory. So, now we need to think about those two things that Christ envisioned as our vision. What's Crossway's vision? Simply put, it is the convergence of two sides of Christ's vision as a local church. Two visions become one. Acts 2.42-47, Julie just read, our moderator this morning, is the passage that describes its convergence. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day and night, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's take a look at this passage in this way. Think about the impact the church was making. First of all, the believers all came upon every believer. The impact was on ourselves, on them, themselves. And many wonders and signs were happening and praising God, having favor with all the people, people around them, their neighbor. And the Lord added to their number by day by day those who are being saved in their world. And literally, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the crossway vision is the two purposes of the church actually becoming one converging version, vision of Christ for his church. 
a call for the saltiness and the impact of the church. And as we're seeing this as one vision, there's an importance of being. Christ called people and Christ sent people because our, our doing and ministry impact really comes out of our being. And therefore, in our vision, we have to live out the convergence of two sides of vision, both for inner, inner word, inward transformation and outward, outward transformation. So this is our vision statement. In 2007, in our gatherings in my living room, about less than 20 people sitting around, we came up with this sentence. Therefore, our vision as a Crossway Church is to be Christ's transforming community that impacts ourselves, our neighbors, and our world for the glory of God and his kingdom. We believe this is not only in scripture, but God has revealed his call to each one of us as Crossway Church. Because of my coming out of the state of being frog in the kettle, being slowly heated up syndrome, I think it was helpful for me to think about these Three characteristics. What it does it mean to be Christ's transforming community? The transforming community, when you come to the community, you're not only being transformed, but others who come can and may become transformed together. And there's three characteristics. First one is saltiness, I mentioned. A qualitatively different life and community and church. What does it mean to be qualitatively different? We don't have many more. We don't have a lot more on other things. But what we have is qualitatively the Quality is different. That's the retaining saltiness. That's why spiritual vitality is such an important central piece of our vision. Instead of fixing church programs and fixing way of doing things, we are to be spiritually vital. The second word characteristic is congruence. God-centered congruence in all ways. Instead of thinking one way, this is my religious life and church life, and God has the final call and will for it, but it is my re leisure or my career, I get the call, final call. That could be a really typical mentality of religious life in America, Christian life. To be perfectly honest with you, my disillusionment came from the way church 
does its management. In my previous ministry, I was grieved by the way we treated our staff. And some of those people who got pushed out, I was involved, are sitting here. I had to apologize, per, apologize personally, sincerely. I'm grateful they forgive me. Why? Because our preaching is one way, but our doing management of church is actually the American pragmatic way. Our ends and means and our rhetoric and practice needs to be congruent. And I think if you look through the websites of other churches, including ours, the, the vision statement, mission statement is gloriously wonderful. But what about the gap between what we claim to do and claim to be in our everyday life? And Americans, in some sense, it's okay to be different, incongruent. And our vision in this being transforming community is not only saltiness is important, but congruence is important. That everything is in one room under God's sovereign care, sovereign will. And third and last is a counterculture, a kingdom mindset and missional mindset. Because if we really follow the way of Jesus, we will find out soon, very, very soon, the values of the culture, which is the way of the world, is contradictory. Or should we say, Jesus' way is radically different the way the world values. We live in the thick of that American culture, not only American culture, but Orange County culture. Two words describes the culture of Orange County, affluence and comfort. And if we are honest, we are all admitted, and we are all affected by these two, two values. The way we live, the way we find the houses, the way we pursue career, if we don't watch out, the affluence and comfort can drive us rather than Jesus' values. Blessed are those mourn. Blessed are they are thirsty and hunger after righteousness. John Stott has a clarion call to, the, to, to return to Christ's vision, which is tremendously helpful for our church. He writes, we need to get the failures of the church on our conscience to feel the offense to Christ and the world, which these failures are, to weave over the credibility gap between the church's talk and the church's walk, to repent of our readiness to excuse and even condone our failures, to determine to do something about it. I wonder if anything is more urgent today for the honor of Christ and for the spread of the gospel 
then that the church should be and should be seen to be what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is, a single new community, I'm sorry, a single new humanity, a model of human community, a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other, the evident dwelling place of God by his spirit. Only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker. Only then will God receive the glory due to his name. I could end the message right here. But the more I think about what the vision is, remember, envisioning process is different from goal-setting process. Goal-setting process is a head process, mental process. But the envisioning process is a heart process. If we envision, we dream, we aspire for us to do something, and that it will give us new passion, new fuel. And I jot down so many things, but I just decided to keep it short list, which gave me, I was excited. Recapturing our vision will lead us to rekindle our passion for building up Christ's church. Let's envision, brothers and sisters, and aspire for Christway Church to be a community in which we experience ongoing real transformation, retain our saltiness as Christ followers and Christ's church, a community where we are known for our love, not for sentimentality, idealism, but for one another through hard work of resolving conflicts and perpetual commitment to each other. A community through which the supremacy of Christ above all things is not only proclaimed, but also displayed in our faith, life, and character. A community that impacts the world not by American pragmatic way, but by Jesus' paradoxical way, for example, dying to live, power through weakness, servant leadership, which results in God's glory and God's glory alone. A community that lives out missionally for the lost, the last, and the least. A community where our children experience and desire for themselves the radical joy of a God-centered life and a God-centered church. I don't know about you. As I try to jot down a few things like this, my heart was on fire. The journey ahead of us it's an incredibly exciting journey. Journey, If we could rekindle our passion, if we could be unified in that vision together.
You know why nursing mom could get up throughout the night several times? It's a terrible sleep pattern. And then baby gets sick and throw up and have a diarrhea and go through all that. On top of that, the baby has some kind of special sickness. Do you see? Have you seen those parents? They survive because their focus is not what's happening, but their love for the baby, the what it can become, the hope and the vision becomes overwhelmingly superseding. That's what we need. If you are not convinced, you are not going to survive in this church. I guarantee you. Even what we are doing in the nice, comfortable setting is difficult enough because of all the rotations. So many rotations. And as a, as a matter of fact, one of our elders during leadership team meeting, okay, we're going to have to another rotation. I'm not going to say what rotation. Well, let's call it rhythm. Because there are too many rotations. So there will be a rhythm. New mobile church. But if we do move out, unless we have this vision, rekindle passion for love and love for Christ's church, it will be awfully difficult. The last word made me emotional that our children, our little children and youth, see the radical joy that our church is living as a God-centered life and God-centered church. And they desire that when they become adult, rather than pursuing affluence and comfort, they'll bring back their heart to the God-centered life, to the God-centered Church, despite the difficulties that come with it. And I want to close with this. Call to each one of you. You discern, is this Paul Kim's vision or is this Christ's vision for Crossway Church? Is this our elders, leadership team's vision made up for, for our church somehow? Or is this what Jesus, the head of Christ, longed to see our church to become? And I boldly ask you to catch it. Embrace it fully. Don't call it so-and-so's vision, a leadership team vision, my pastor's vision. This is our vision. 
This is my church and our vision together. If we are unified in that one vision, I think we'll be fine. God will be glorified. And we will experience radical joy no matter what happens. No matter how difficult our journey might have been. Might, it might going to be. So, it's going to be. May the Lord rekindle our hearts with his vision. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for clarity of your scripture and your word and your vision for the church. And your desire to see your own church to become sanctified people of God as your bride and to become Christ-sent people, missional people to change the world with the message of gospel and the saltiness of the gospel living. We're so grateful for your guidance. And we are not afraid about the dryness of wilderness that we would experience. as long as you rekindle our passion with your vision. We admit that the lure of the worldly, men-centered way is so appealing, so attractive. It seems so quick and fixes are coming instantaneously And help us to discern and help us to grab hold onto the way of the cross as our way. And Lord, would you increase and double our joy as we recommit to vision that you have given us? Thank you that you will be glorified and Christ, you will be the center. Holy Spirit, you will change each one of us to become change agents in the world. To this end, we pray, Lord, make us your people. In the name of the Father, of the Son, Of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.